Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or you can download our free Living Truth app. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 41 called Comfort to the Gentiles. So God, uh, we have now another courtroom scene as we saw in chapter 40 and God calls in the coastlands. I want you to notice Isaiah 41 verse 1. Coastlands, listen to me in silence. Let the peoples gain new strength, Isaiah 41.1. This is the same words as we saw in 40.31. Yet those who wait for the Lord, just one verse back, will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. So here now the coastlands are invited. If you have an NIV, it says, Be silent before me, you islands. Let the nations, so notice now the nations outside of Israel, renew their strength. Let them come forward and speak. Let us meet together. And here's the courtroom scene at the place of judgment. Now this invitation is not so much that God is going to uh, rebuke them. This invitation is really one for dialogue. It's an open invitation to come and listen and to speak. God is the judge, but he's also one of the litigants here. God has invited them in and he says, I want you to be quiet for a while so you can listen to what I have to say. And then I'm going to listen to what you have to say. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but that's a pretty cool aspect of God. He actually listens to what we have to say. He invites us to come to him and pray. But he also wants us to listen, and that's the two sides of prayer. Maybe you're better at one than you are at the other. Sometimes we're not really good at listening to God, and sometimes we're not uh, really good about talking to God. But really, your prayer life should have both. And God invites the Gentile nations in. He says, you come forward and speak. This is reminiscent of Isaiah 118. Come, let us reason together. Though your skin, your, not your skins, but your sins will be, be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. So God invites the people in. He invites you into the Holy of Holies 24-7 to come in dialogue with him, to come and pour your heart out before the Lord. That's a beautiful invitation. And remember, in the Old Covenant, that could only be done once a year by one man on one specific day. Remember the day? Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. But now, this is an amazing thing, especially if you lived in Israel at the time of the high priest in the temple or the tabernacle. You could only come into that place once a year and you're only one man. But now the church is invited to come in. Anytime, whenever you need him, he will be available to you and you are ushered right into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus. So come. The invitation is come, but What's the benefit if you enter into such an invitation? Could this be dangerous? You know, some people maybe are a little fearful to talk to the man upstairs. They they only seem to visit him on major holidays and, uh, you know, other times when things seem really desperate. What's the upside of uh, accepting such an invitation into the Holy of Holies? The upside is that you will gain new strength. And the strength that you will gain is not a human strength, 
It is the strength of God. It is the strength of one who, in the very last verse of Isaiah 40, mounts up with wings like eagles. It is the strength of the Holy Spirit of God. When God invites you in, you can't go into that place without being touched by God. That's part of the beauty of prayer and Bible study and fellowship is that whenever you come into the assembly, whenever you come into the presence of God, he touches you with his strength. He renews your strength. Literally, the language could be rendered this way. You exchange your weakness for his strength. That's what happens every time you meet with God. So God says, come. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. Remember those who hope or wait for the Lord? And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been what? Poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. So interestingly enough, the Bible seems to indicate that at times when we are the lowest and the weakest, we might find that that strength means the most to us. And Paul said that very thing when he was talking about when I'm weak, then I'm strong in 2 Corinthians. He was talking about, you know what, he would even rejoice in his weaknesses because then he would know new depths of the strength of God. It's one thing to come to God when you're strong. It's another thing to come to God when you feel like you can't take another step. And then God meets you there with the power of his Holy Spirit. In Daniel 11.32, it says, and by smooth words, he will turn godlessness Uh, those who act wickedly toward the covenant, but the people who know their God, listen to this, will display strength and take action. Another translation, New King James says, shall be strong and carry out great exploits. That's Daniel 11.32. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to take your stand against the schemes of the devil who attacks what? Your faith, the truth, um, righteousness, everything, every piece of armor that you have is built by God to withstand the attacks of the evil one. He attacks your mind. Are you really saved? He attacks your heart, the place from which you, uh, the core of your being, and God gives you a breastplate and he gives you a belt to deal with the lies, a belt of truth. He gives your feet uh, shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace because the devil's always trying to steal your peace. And all these things are the raiments of God. In essence, they are God himself. They are his strength for the battle. And so verse two says, as God continues to make his case to those whom he has invited into this courtroom scene, 41.2, he says who, not what, but who has aroused, if you have the NIV, it says stirred up, one from the east, whom he calls in righteousness to his feet. He delivers up nations before him and subdues kings. He makes them like dust with his sword as the wind-driven chaff with his bow. Now, one of the evidences to consider when you are considering God's invitation is what practical benefits are there. We talk about gaining new strength, but what else is there on the Lord's table? Well, the second thing that the Lord says to those who he invites into this dialogue is that I am the one that controls history. See, history is my story. We like to say history is his story. And God is saying, secondly, for those of you who are Gentiles who are coming into the courtroom scene, I want you to know something. 
That the movements of history are not just some spasmodic drama that unfolds according to the will of man, but history is really something that is pointing to the consummation of which God is in control. Nations rise and nations fall. Leaders rise up and leaders are put down. But God is moving all of history toward a central goal. And you know what that goal is. That he will rule and reign from Jerusalem. That he will redeem his righteous ones. And he will judge the world. That's where it's moving towards. It's inevitable. It's something that will happen because God has determined that it will take place. And he has even prophesied that in the book of Revelation and other places. And so now now he's talking about uh, a who, and the who is God, who has prompted, look at verse 2, he has stirred up this leader, this one from the east, and we are going to discover in these chapters to come that this leader is Cyrus the Great. He is the prince or the leader of Persia, actually the founder of Persia. And he conquered much of the known world, including the Mede Empire, including Babylon. He actually uh, conquered Nebuchadnezzar as well. And God is stirring this man. And what you need to know is that this is in keeping with the Bible. God used Nebuchadnezzar, even called Nebuchadnezzar at one point his servant. And Cyrus becomes a servant of God. Any major leader that ends up doing stuff in one way or the other, God will use that for his purposes. And in this case, Cyrus, the Persian king, has been raised up or stirred up from the east by God. God is the one, and here's the point, God is the one behind what is happening. Isaiah, let me read one writer to you, is no secularist. When he looks at the movement sweeping across history, he does not ask about class economics, for example. He asks about a person And we need to learn to ask Isaiah-like questions about our world today. Oftentimes we ask questions like, what is going on? And we need to kind of reframe the question and ask, who is doing this? What are you saying, Lord, to me? Who is the one behind stirring up Cyrus? It is God himself. And when we allow uh, our lenses maybe to be retuned to the world under God's leadership, I think we will renew our hope. Because the times that we feel out of control the most are the times when we feel like, man, God, did you go on vacation? Do you really know what's going on? But when we see history through the eyes of Isaiah, and remember, Isaiah is writing to who right now? You remember from Sunday? A people in Babylonian captivity who will spend 70 years of their existence in a foreign land under a pagan king dominated and in slavery. And God is saying, even in those conditions, I want you to be able to see that I am in control. And there were some men, some young men, who saw history through those eyes, despite their circumstances, and they were Daniel and his friends. Now, their Babylonian names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, Maybe you can do a little Bible trivia and remember their Hebrew names. It's not all clicking right now, so I won't even go there. But here's the point. There were some young men who took their stand on the promises of God even though they were in the very fire of the furnace. Even when Daniel heard that if you pray to anyone except the king, you are going to be the lunch of a lion, he took his stand, he opened his shutters, and he pointed towards Jerusalem, and he said, I will pray. I don't care what earthly edict comes up, I will make my stand. See, they did this, and they did this in the midst of very difficult circumstances, and that is the point, that whatever is going on around us, we can know that God is in control. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. Since this is Holy Week, the topic is the resurrection. So if something is that, that's written down reflects poorly on what is being described or what is being reported on, if that reflects poorly... That lends to its credibility. Yes. Because normally we say, well, the writers are biased. Uh, regardless, we're not just talking about the New Testament. Any writer's biased, they want to get their point of view across. But what shows their objectivity or attempt to be objective is when they include information or facts that reflect poorly on themselves or the narrative they're trying to push. Yes. And, and so let's take a step further towards that. So when the women go to the apostles who are supposed to be the brave followers of Christ, right. they say... The, the women have lost their minds, to paraphrase. They do. They're just crazy tales. They, they don't believe it, which is another embarrassment yeah. because, of course, the, the documents go on to say that Christ is risen and it becomes crystal clear. But the, the way that it, this is written down, and we believe it corresponds exactly to what happened, is that they don't believe. They have no faith. To listen to the Walk in Truth minisodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Uh, maybe you can do a little Bible trivi- trivia and remember their Hebrew names. It's not all clicking right now, so I won't even go there. But here's the point. There were some young men who took their stand on the promises of God, even though they were in the very fire of the furnace. Even when Daniel heard that if you pray to anyone except the king, you are going to be the lunch of a lion, he took his stand, he opened his shutters, and he pointed towards Jerusalem, and he said, I will pray. I don't care what earthly edict comes up, I will make my stand. See, they did this, and they did this in the midst of very difficult circumstances, and that is the point, that whatever is going on around us, we can know that God is in control. Go to 2 Corinthians 1 for a moment. 2 Corinthians 1, the Apostle Paul discovered this as well as he got beat up all over the Roman world. And he talks about comfort in 2 Corinthians 1, and it's a passage I know that many of us treasure. Let me give you the full uh, context of the passage. Paul's talking about comfort, and he says these words. He says, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, 2 Corinthians 1.4, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now notice, keep reading. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, we normally don't read to verse 5, do we? We don't put that one on the refrigerator. The sufferings of Christ are mine in abundance today, today, hallelujah. No, we don't go out the door with that one. We like the comfort, right? There are in abundance, so also our comfort, there's two sides, is abundant through Christ. Paul seems to be saying that even in the midst of his trials, 
there is a reigning comfort. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Paul, of course, did what he did for the sake of the gospel. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, seven, knowing that as uh, you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, verse 8, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively, would you mark this in your Bible? Beyond what? Our strength. So that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves in order that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope. Think of Isaiah 40, 31. And he will yet deliver us. Paul says, when we were in Asia, we want you to know we were burdened beyond our strength. On our website, I've written an article, will God give you any more than you can handle? Question mark. Go back to Isaiah. And a lot of times we hear well-meaning pastors quote a passage that is really about temptation, that God will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. He'll provide a way of escape. And we say, see, God won't give you any more than you can handle. And I want to tell you tonight that is totally unbiblical. It's flat out not a Bible verse. It's kind of like one of those things that we've heard over the years. God helps those who help themselves and people think that's in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. See, God says, when you're tempted, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you you can bear. He'll provide a way of escape in the temptation that you may be able to stand up under it. But God will give you more than you can handle. You can take it to the bank because you just read a verse that says that we are afflicted beyond our strength. And what was the purpose? That we might not trust in ourselves, but God. So the next time you are burdened beyond your strength and you say to yourself, what am I doing wrong? What Have you ever done this? What did I do to deserve this one, Lord? Just stand on the promise. Here's the promise. In this world, you will have tribulation. That's a promise. What? Yeah. Remember, it's not only the positive ones that are promises. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So whenever you face trouble, you are walking in the promises of God. (laughs) Whoa, I don't know. I got to think about that one. Okay, think about it. Verse three. He pursues them passing on in safety. Now we continue to look at this world leader that God has raised up. By a way he had not been traversing with his feet, The idea of this language is that Cyrus was so quick to dominate. It's like it didn't affect him. He pursued. He seemed to be always safe. And he seemed to not even be touching the ground as he did what he did. I want to give you an insight into why some of this happened. Go to 2 Kings. So you're going to go towards the book of Genesis now. 2 Kings. Pass up the Psalms, the Proverbs. And go to chapter 24. This is... The Babylonian captivity backdrop. This is what happened. This is the wicked king that was ruling. 
This is why God did what he did with Nebuchadnezzar. Check it out. 2 Kings 24. In his days, 2 Kings 24, 1, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up. Jehoiakim became his servant for three years, and he turned and rebelled against him. And the Lord sent against him, that is Jehoiakim, bands of Chaldeans, bands of Arameans, bands of Moabites, bands of Ammonites. So he sent them against who? Judah to destroy it. That's the southern kingdom of Israel. According to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through his servants, the prophets. Surely at the command of who? The Lord. It came upon Judah to remove them from his sight because of the sins of Manasseh. And I want you to see what the sins of Manasseh were, which was, he's the son of Hezekiah. According to all that he had done. And also for the innocent blood which he shed, 24-4. For he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, and the Lord would not forgive. So what was Manasseh up to? Manasseh, go back to Isaiah 41, got involved in pagan child sacrifice. One of the gods that they had at that time was Molech. And they, the people, because a lot of the pagan worship that went on was filled with immorality but it oftentimes was trying to appease gods that uh, they believed controlled the crops and the weather and so what they would do is they would sacrifice their firstborn child to this god they the scholars say they would heat up this molten god heat up the arms and put the baby on it and fry their child And because of the innocent blood that was shed in the land, God got so fed up with it that he brought foreign nations against his own king of Judah, the good place, the southern place that was most true to him. He brought Ammonites and the Arameans and Nebuchadnezzar, all all at God's bidding because the prophets came and they warned and they warned and they warned. They said, get rid of the idols. Stop it. We got to turn around. Stop what you're doing. Stop, stop. And he wouldn't stop. And God said, okay, you don't want to stop. I'm going to send all these armies to destroy you. I'm not going to forgive your sin. You've been listening to Comfort for the Gentiles, part one on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 41. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings and more books of the Bible. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, you may be asking the question, do I need to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, (laughs) or like a Daniel? How much do I need to go through to be a Christian? Well, let's face it. I mean, you know, if you're listening in the United States right now, we have had it pretty good as believers. And maybe you would say, well, I don't like confrontation at work, and I don't want to speak up. Okay. Uh, why don't you ask the Lord to baptize you with some new boldness? Because, uh, look, right now in the U.S., we're debating ideas, and I, and I know you can tell <laughs> that spiritual warfare is all about the debate of ideas. It's all about ideas, brethren. And so 
you know what? You may not be asked to ever die for your faith. I, I don't know. And I pray that that would never be the case. But it might be harder to live for the Lord in the sense that there's such an avalanche of culture against the Christian worldview. And my encouragement to you is that you would be a light. And maybe you're just going to have to pick your spots and plant seeds, but the Lord will strengthen you. This is Pastor Michael Lance, and this is Walk in Truth, and I could say that to you because I did exactly that. I worked in the secular world for uh, 17 years before going into full-time ministry. I worked in uh, corporate America. I worked in restaurants. Uh, I worked in uh, a factory kind of setting, so I, I've tasted quite a bit of that, and I would just say that uh, there's chances, opportunities everywhere because there's lost people everywhere and sometimes secret agent Christians everywhere. You can be an encouragement on many fronts. Hey, if we can help you in any way, reach out to us. You can reach out at contact at walkintruth.com. Hey, let us know how the program has been a blessing to you. Remember, you can always go to walkintruth.com to do just that. So we're excited about presenting the book of Isaiah and we'll have more for you tomorrow on Comfort for the Gentiles. We'll see you right here then. God bless you. And just a reminder that this is a listener-supported ministry. Would you consider becoming a partner for $5 a month? We're blessed to know that these teachings reach thousands of listeners just like you every weekday through our radio partners and through the podcast. If you've been listening for some time now and you're blessed by this ministry, if you've learned something from Pastor Michael's teachings, or if you've been encouraged, please help others like you. Visit walkintruth.com to donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 41 called Comfort for the Gentiles. I'm Mike Massaro, and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.